Have you ever had a friend, an acquaintance, a spouse, a parent, a child that needed help? And I don't mean need help like they can't pay their bill. I mean like needed help in that they're a mess. You know what I mean? You ever been there in that situation? Yeah, me too. And I can tell you that I've tried many things to help people. You know, like you can see they're messing their lives up because of the choices they're making, because they just don't have something right in their heart. Right? And so you're goodwilled and you want to go help them. How do you help somebody else change? That's the question today. And I got to tell you, because I first started considering this, and hey, I'm on now. Whoa, morning. We'll start over. Maybe too much. Okay, definitely too much. Are you done? Yeah. Where was I? Helping someone change. Do I have your attention yet? You interested in helping someone change? So the first person I went to when I was thinking of helping someone change is me. Yourself. And I was asking and examining myself, how do I change? I have changed. And as I look back at myself and say, what happened the day I changed? And you know what the answer I've come away with? I have no idea. I don't know what happened. Because I wanted to change the day before I changed, but I didn't change the day before. And I wanted to the day before that, but I didn't. But finally, this day came, and I changed. And if I could bottle that up and sell it, wouldn't that be priceless? The ability to change? Because I'm thinking if I ask you today, there's probably something in you that you know should change, and you wish that it would change. You would like for it to change. In fact, you probably pray for it to change. You probably negotiate with God to make it change. God, if this will change, I'll never do this again. Right? We negotiate and plan. We try all kinds of things to make change happen in my life. And I'll confess to you that I have absolutely no idea what happens the day I change, except I change. Now, I know who changes me. Right? We know who does that. Who, who impacts, who causes the change? Well, God does. God, he restores my soul and my heart to the point by the renewing, the healing of my broken heart till I get to the point where the sin is gone and I've changed. And I want that in me. And I've experienced it in me, like you have. So then I look to my friends, my loved ones, and I want the same thing for them. And so, I, well, how, how can I get them to change? They obviously, you obviously need this change. How, what can I do to help you change? Is, am I, are you with me in this? Do you have somebody in your life that is a train wreck in certain areas of their life and they're causing you pain and themselves pain 
and you want it to stop. I have several verses. I'm going to go through these verses quickly because nothing's new out of the scripture. You guys all read and study your scripture. So Philippians 4 or Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. This, I believe, is our motive, right? We've read verses like this, and we're not, it's not selfish ambition or gain. Now, there's always an area, and there's always a degree of self in all of these things. Don't let that be the primary motivator. What do I mean by that? The things that you do, the sin that you do, it gets on me. And I don't like it on me. And so I want you to stop sinning so it will stop getting on me. Okay? That's not my primary motive to have you change or for you to change. Right? Now I'm using me. You can use you here too. That irritating thing that your spouse does that negatively impacts you, of course you want that to change. Why wouldn't you? But it's not selfish ambition or vain conceit. Our hearts are in the right place. We want change because we see that it's hurting the other person. So I know that there's an area of me that I want you to change so it will stop irritating me. But that's not the motive here. The motive is nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, valuing others uh, above me, ourselves. Not looking to our own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's our motive. Then, uh, before we get into this process of trying to help someone change, I have to be right first. Now, who of us is right? Exactly. But, Matthew 7, Jesus said this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, as we are considering this person who is a source of irritation and pain for ourselves and for them, we look at them not uh, humbly, not in vain conceit, but we look at them humbly. And we come to them not with judgment. Why are you not, why should you not judge someone? Because you'd be a hypocrite if you judge someone. Which of you didn't screw your life up? Right? Of course we all have. We've all done things our own way. So we don't judge others. Because we've done the same. And I would like to tell you that my sin is not as bad as your sin. But the only one who thinks that's true is me. Right? Your sin and my sin. Well, how do you value something? I would say by the price someone paid for it. Jesus died on the cross for my sin, for your sin cost the same. So it's the same. So we don't come at one of our friends, our loved ones that needs change with judgment. Now I know it's very easy to go and judge someone who sins differently than you do. Why do they keep doing that? Don't they know? 
wrong with them? Do not judge, or you will be judged. Now, as we come to this person, Jesus is, he's a funny guy. I've had stuff in my eye before, right? And the stuff in my eye usually comes out, and you get it, finally get it out, and you say, oh, that was it? It's a little speck of something usually in your eye. But Jesus, this funny guy, says, you got a log in your eye. Now, the thing that I think is funny about this is, when you have something in your eye, it's hard to find and get out. Right? You usually have to have someone help you get the speck out of your eye. You try and rub and all that kind of stuff. just irritates your eye, makes it water, and you can't find this thing in your eye. But think how easy it would be if you had a log coming out of your eye. Wouldn't it be nice if you could get both hands, a pair of vice grips, maybe a bench vice or something, clamp down on that and pull it out and be over. That would be wonderful. Jesus is saying the thing in your eye is a lot bigger deal than the thing in somebody else's eye. You have your priorities right here. Because I know if you all would just clean up your act and straighten up, my life would be much better. Because your circumstances are the ones that's causing me trouble. Isn't that the way we think about things? If she hadn't done that, and if he hadn't done that, and if that hadn't happened, then none of this would have happened. I'd be just fine. No, this and this and this revealed my character, which is the problem. This, this, and this are not the problem. You know the story of the sand in the clam and the sand in the eyeball. The irritant of the sand just reveals the character of the eyeball. It's not the issue. So, deal with the plank in your own eye. Then deal with the speck in your brothers. Okay? Doesn't mean, okay, the plank's there, I'm, I'm stuck. Well, I can't help anyone. If the, if the point of this parable is that I can only offer life and freedom to someone after I'm totally restored, that will be never. So I would never be ever to, able to offer help for anyone. It's not the point. The point is, you've got your issues. Deal with your issues. Then go help someone. Romans 15. This is, this is my least favorite verse in the process here. So we talked about being humble about this. We talked about um, uh, not judging and getting the plank out of my eye. And in Romans 15.1, We who are strong ought to bear with the feelings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. In short English terms, when someone has a problem that is hurting them and hurting you, the first step, put up with it. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Because I want to be like Bob Newman, Bob Newhart. Stop it! Right? But no, that's not... The instruction from the Bible is put up with the failings of the weak. Put up with it. Bear with it. We should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Yeah, but they irritate me. 
So? So? Where's that? Is there, what's the exclusion clause here? Do this if you can take it. No, the point is take it. What do you think they're going to be? If I tell you that everyone in the room is the same, and we're not the same, but we have the same things in common, each one of us has jacked up their lives, including yours truly. What do you think it's going to be like to live some, with someone who has jacked up their life? Messy? Complicated? Problems? Yep. If you ask my wife privately where I can't hear, she'll tell you what it's like to live with me. It's flowers and sunshine every day. <laughs> Unless I'm sick. And then you should go somewhere else. Um, we here are strong enough to bear with the feelings of the weak. To build them up. You liking this so far? Then 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So the person that annoys you, that has these bad traits in their life that hurt them and hurt you, don't judge them. Get the plank out of your own eye. Bear with them and then encourage them. Now I want you to think about yourself and when you have been encouraged by someone. What does it look like for you to be encouraged? Chances are it does not include your index finger or their index finger out and thumping you on the breastbone, right? You need to straighten up and change what you're doing. Everybody encouraged? Me neither. That's not the way that works, is it? Encouragement looks a whole lot like somebody is struggling to carry a heavy load and you come up under them and get a hold of them and help pick up and help carry the load they're carrying. Doesn't that look a whole lot more like encouragement? Here, let me help you with that. Isn't that much more encouraging? I can do this now. Now see, I, I know we get too close to each other, especially the, the people we live with. And they're just so annoying and it gets every day. Are you kidding me? Again today? Yeah? It's the way it is and that's what it's like to live with each other. But they're the people that most need this. They most need you to encourage them. They most need you to build them up. Because life wears us down. Brad asked the question earlier, how you doing? And you know what my answer was? I'm exhausted. Right? I don't know about you and where you're at today, but I'm exhausted. I'd just soon be taking a nap right now. And, and I intend to. Sometime. To get built back up, right? We need this. Can we have a little compassion for each other? Me too. When you're wore out, me too. I understand. You know, and look, when I was sick the other day, and I like to be left alone, that, I don't think that's probably the ideal situation. I probably should be kinder when I'm sick. And I probably would like to be kinder when I'm sick. But I'm not. Can anybody relate to that? I would like to not do that. But I do that. Does that describe you? 
I don't, I'm not pleased with that when I act those ways. But that's what I do. Do I want to change? Absolutely. Have I? Not yet. Encourage me. Build me up. Build you up. Look, nobody's saying that we really like the way this is. It's just the way it is. And then I have one more verse. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So I got to looking on the old Google, the source of all biblical truth, trying to find all the verses about how I can help someone change. If you would get with me later and share me all the verses you know about how to help someone else change, I'd love to see that list. Really? I didn't skip any. I was looking for verses on how to help someone change. The Bible's not full of lists of how to help somebody change. You know why? Because we can't change anyone. We want to. Look, I watched Lana raise four girls. I saw her try to change their behavior every day. It was a full-time job getting them to clean up the room and do the dishes and all that kind of stuff, right? And that's little kids. Now, let that be an adult. And I know what most adults say when somebody tries to come in and change them. You're not the boss of me. Right? I'm not going to let you tell me what to do. So, what do we not do? How can we, what things do we do that don't work is another way of saying this, right? How about, this is the top one that I came up with. It's in Proverbs all the time. Don't nag them. You want somebody to change? An adult we're talking about here. Don't nag them. That does not work. Can I get an amen? You know, it's like I told Lana when she asked me to fix something. I said I'd do it. She doesn't need to remind me every six months about it. I said I'd do it. (laughs) Don't nag. Don't. The kids are gone, right? Don't tell them that you're tired of their crap. That's endearing, isn't it? I'm really tired of you. That doesn't work. Not effective. Here's another one that just doesn't work. Using anger as a motivator. Get mad and have that vein stick out in your neck and scream at them. That really brings effective change. How about this? Constant stack keeping on the progress they're making regarding their issue. You know, like the weekly status meeting. You know, Monday you did a really good job of putting your dishes away, but Tuesday your fork was still on the counter. And you know how much that irritates me. Now, Wednesday your cup and your glass was there and the fork was still there. That kind of review process, not effective. How about this? The analysis and critique of the wrong ways they are going about changing. Not effective. How about... 
asking them to hurry up. Are you there yet? Are you close? Are you about ready to change? Please? Those things don't work. And I, and I know I can get many, many testimonies and witnesses about how those things don't work because we try them all. So, what might it really look like to help someone change? How could you best help someone? Facilitate. You can't change. They can't change. Right? God brings the change. What could you do? Well, how about we start here? You see somebody that is struggling. Right? They're struggling. They're caught in something. They're... they're What's the source of the struggle? Okay. We can start way outside and bring it in and boil it down. But I'm trying to hurry today and I want to get right to the end. The issue is this. Unbelief. There is something in your life, something in their life, where they do not agree with what God says. That's unbelief. That is the root of the issue. Unbelief. I can go through it with you and walk all the way down. But no matter where we start, it ends up here. It's unbelief. So when I see unbelief in someone, me or you, same thing goes in. It starts kicking in. First, ask Jesus to give me his heart of love towards that person. Do you know who has this figured out? You know who knows how to do what we're talking about? It's Jesus. Jesus, when I was in the depths of despair and didn't care at all for him, he loved me. And as I slowed down my running away from him, he loved me. And when he finally got my attention and I stopped and gave him a look, he loved me. And when I bowed before him and gave him my whole life, he loved me. And when I got up and started following him away, he loved me. See, all through the process, Jesus loved me. And Jesus loves you. That's where we start. We have to love one another. The motive, the driver for... Wanting someone to change is love. Has to be love. Has to be love. So Jesus, give me your heart of love towards this person. That's huge. It's, 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 it's so easy to say, but it's such a thing to love somebody with the love of Jesus. How does Jesus love? He lets people fail. He lets people make mistakes. He lets people choose Him. He gives us free will. And you love that way? It, it hurts to love that way. Ask Jesus. Right? It hurts. But that's the way He loves. Now, along with that love, or as a result of that love, comes this breaking of things between us. Every one of us here has this history of the way we've treated each other. 
And as we continue to live with each other, we run everything we have through the historical filter that we've established with each other. So I have learned how you are. And I treat you based on the way you are. Okay, that's not love. Okay? And, and so I need to break that kind of stuff. And I break that by forgiving you for what you've done, confessing what I've done, and, and breaking these ties in our soul. You know how when you see somebody that you like coming down the street, somebody you haven't seen for a while, and you go, Oh, looky there. Oh, be darn. Okay? And then there's the other person. Oh, boy. See, that's a soul tie between the two of you. Your souls are tied together based on your history. You already know how to respond to somebody just because you see them. you got to break that. That soul tie has to go away and only the love of Jesus remain. So that when you see every person, oh, look, there they are. Confess and repent to God of your wrongs in the relationship. I emphasize to God. Okay? So, everybody you know, you've wronged. You've wronged them intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes you wrong them without even having any idea that you did it. Confess to God. God, I don't know exactly what I've done. Obviously, something's not right here. What have I done? Show me, Jesus. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live. I don't want to cause this kind of reaction in them. Confess that. When when Jesus reveals the things that you've done, confess. Now ask Jesus if you need to go to that person. Because this has jacked up more relationships in the world. You know, we think somehow that. Confession and forgiveness always has to be spoken to the other person. And there's definitely a time and a place where that has to happen. But if you don't know what you've done to the other person, and you go and confess, the confession sounds something like this. So, I love Jesus and I love you, and I came up the other day and started talking to you about such and such, and I was just trying to love you, and the next thing I know, you got all mad, and I don't know what I did, but I sure am sorry for that. Uh, see where that leads? I'm really good and holy, but somehow you're jacked up. And in your jacked upness, I did something wrong. So I'm really sorry for not speaking the way you need me to speak so that I can love you. You can't get out of that story. Don't go in it. <clears throat> but when you see the ways that they have wronged you, forgive them for that. Forgiveness means to let somebody off the hook. The reason you can let them off the hook is because Jesus died on the cross for their sin. The way you're able to forgive somebody is looking at that person and say, the price that Jesus paid on the cross was sufficient for what they did to me. Now if you can't say that, Okay. Do you realize how cheap he just made the sacrifice Jesus made? Somehow, the price he paid on the cross was sufficient to cover your sins, but not, to, not sufficient. You see, your sins against Christ, 
but not sufficient to cover their sins against you? You realize how high that raises you up in this chain? That when someone wrongs you, the price paid by Jesus is not sufficient? Forgiveness. Now, we're ready to start. Okay? We've broken all the bad stuff in our relationship. We have the heart of Jesus in me and in them. We're probably brothers and sisters in Christ. We all want the same thing, which is life and freedom. They're broken. I'm broken. I've got logs in my eyes. I've been confessing and repenting. They've got specks in their eyes. I care for them. I want what's best for them. Now, here we hit the road and go into action. Ask Jesus what they need. And what they don't need. Now, I know that when I say that, the first thing I think of is that, okay, so somebody, let's make up a story. Give me one. What offends you? Everybody's afraid, I see. (laughs) Write it on a note and send it to me later. Let's say a husband and a wife. And the husband comes home from work, tired, angry, and cranky. And doesn't say much to his wife. And he goes in and plops down on the couch and gets out his iPad and plays on it till bedtime. She's alone, hurt, no relationship in the family, right? So if I were to ask Jesus, what does he need? Let's say I'm her. And I want to know, what does my husband need? Well, we want to start with easy things like, I just want him to love me. Can't he just say hello when he comes in the house? Can't his iPad break? (laughs) You know what I mean? We get to those points and ask for those things. And I just want to tell you, I understand all of that. That's not what he needs. What's he need? What's he need? What's at the root of it? Remember, the root cause of sin is unbelief. What's he need? What's he not believing? What's she not believing? What's the root issue? Because asking, praying to God and making him be nice to me, that's, that's a good thing. I don't think it'll be very effective. But I do have things we can pray for here in a minute that are extremely effective. We've got to get down to the bottom of it. What's the, what's the problem? What's the cause? It's something in our heart that is the issue. Now, what's the problem between this husband and wife who don't speak in the evening? I don't know. Let's make something up. Let's say this. When he was a boy, he could never make his mother happy. And he found the best way to make his mother happy was to go outside. Now it's 40 years later, he's married and he can't ever make his wife happy. What's the best way to make his wife happy? Go away. So, he can't make her happy, so the best thing he can do is at least not make her too mad. So I'll just leave her alone. Ladies, somehow that makes sense to a man. Okay? Is it right? No. But it makes sense. What's he need? He needs to know that it's not loving to not speak to his wife. 
He needs to know that as the king of his household, he is there to protect and provide for her. But she doesn't want him to. So he stopped. I know, we're all broken. It's a mess. If things were easy and there were only one answer, we'd be done. This is a a complicated web of issues. And I do not have the answer of what he needs or, if it's him coming to me, what she needs. Right? So I don't know which side of this equation you're on and I don't have the answer of what you need, but Jesus does. But I made a list of some things that you should pray for. These are things people need. The lack of these causes lots of issue in people's lives. Faith, peace, strength, belief, courage, love, kindness, perseverance, mercy. Need any of these? Healing, restoration, wisdom. The next category is things that people don't need that they do have. Things that you can pray against. Unbelief, fear, worry, stress, control issues, lust, idols, materialism, unforgiveness. So this is what it looks like. This person in you that are having issues, right? You first lay aside everything except the love of Jesus for them. The only thing that remains between them is love. Let's go back to our husband and wife. So the wife is standing at the counter drumming her fingers, drilling holes through his head as he's face down on the iPad. Effective? No. No. What's she thinking? Oh, she's burning at him tonight, right? Forgive him for not loving. Is he a jerk? We'll go with that. Absolutely. Is he wrong? Fine. Absolutely wrong. Forgive him. Forgive him. Love him with the love of Jesus. Nothing else. The 30 year history of he always treats me this way? Break that. Love him. I'm talking to the wife. I could just as easily turn this around to the husband, okay? Or to the parent and the child, the neighbor, the co-worker. It's all the same. Love them. Love them the way Jesus loved them. Have they wronged you? Of course they've wronged you. Of course they have. Love them. And pray for them. I mean that's it. Okay? You don't have to announce that you're doing this. So, excuse me, I just want you to know that I am praying that you will love me better. Guaranteed blocker of what you're trying to accomplish, okay? Love them, pray for them. Now, I really suggest you do it like this. And I know you don't want to. And that's okay, I'm going to say do it like this anyway. And I'm really going to say, no, I mean do it like this. Do this exactly. Get a piece of paper out, a notebook, or your iPad, and write down on that what you are praying for and what you are praying against. 
And I know for a lot of us, we did a lot of talk about prayer this past year. And a lot of us, it was a good idea and all that. And we may not have done it or not. And a lot of us still think that prayers like this are powerful and effective. Dear God, please be with my husband and help him love me more. Amen. If you're still praying like that, that's cute. If you're five. Nobody in the room is five. Let's grow up and pray powerful and effective prayers. Prayers like this. Jesus, I come to you and I confess that when he came in the house tonight, I had my hands on my hips staring at him, waiting for him to do it, and he walked right on by me. Forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for demanding something for him. I confess that I was trying to manipulate him. And Jesus, only give me your heart of love for him. I want to love him the way you love him. Okay? Now, what does he need? Jesus, by the power of your name, I pray against unbelief. I pray against bitterness. By the power of your name, stop whatever I'm praying against. And instead, Jesus, I pray that you would bring love, joy, restoration, heal his broken heart. Whatever Jesus has said that you should pray for. And I really mean pray about heart things. Okay, I, I mean, I know that there's all the physical things that are the issue about the towel on the floor and the, the dish on the sink. And I know all of that is an irritation and it's not the way it should be, but that's not the, whore, the core of the problem. The issue is the heart. Pray about their heart. Ask God to change their heart and their actions will change. Write it down and pray. And then do it again. Not write it down. Pray. And then tomorrow, pray it again. And again. And every time it comes up and comes back, pray it again. Don't wag your finger. Don't scold them. Don't nag them. Don't put the verse on the refrigerator that they need to know. That's not the way to bring change in someone's life. Now, if at some point they come to you and want to talk about it, tell them what you've been doing. That's it. See, I believe that most of us, confession, don't trust God enough with our relationships to just let Him deal with it. I somehow have to meddle on my own and take ownership of the problems and try to fix things. And I can tell you for me, that doesn't work. I have never been able to fix anyone. No matter how good my heart was or how clever my story was, or how right I was. I never fixed anybody. I didn't even bring change. But Jesus brings change. And he will bring change in the life of someone else because you pray.
Now I'm just going to call you out about it, okay? Because I like to do that. It's fun for me. Either you will continue living the way you're living, under the consequences of the way you're living, banging your head on the wall trying to get life to be better for you so it'll go well, or you can completely give that up and let Jesus do it. Now which is easier? See, I know the answer. A is easier. That's why we do it. It makes us feel better. It gives us more control. It helps us release. (laughs) I'm mad so I get to spout off. I love them so I get to tell them what they're doing wrong. It's just great. Except it doesn't work. What does work is to love somebody with the love of Jesus and pray for them. I don't know if you you caught what it said there in that uh, 1 Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, to pray. I've been to church all my life and we always prayed. When things didn't work out the way we had planned, we stopped and prayed. That's never the plan. The plan is always this. What's the most important thing you can do? Pray. Do you believe that? If you've got trouble with a, with a relationship, the most important thing you can do is pray. You can bring petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. When your heart changes, like what I've just been describing, do you know the power that has on people? The power of a changed life. Have you ever seen that in somebody? It's an incredible thing. You know who who we really changed here? And what we're talking about this morning? Me. That's who changed. Me, I changed. And the power of that. The power of God is an amazing thing. You know somebody needs to change? Here's the steps. Love them with the love of Jesus. Pray for them. And pray against the things they don't need. And watch what happens. Keep your notes. It's an amazing tale. I'll just, I dare you. I dare you to do it. Do it for a month. And then compare the difference. After a month. God, God can take a test. Watch what happens. I, I'm a believer. This will change everything. It will change everything. Jesus, uh, I need to change. And I know that the only way I have ever changed is because of you, Jesus. So, change my heart. Jesus, for all of those people that I'm in relation with, I want to love them with your love only. I forgive them and release them from all the obligations I've put them under. Father, I confess the ways that I have been unloving towards them. I ask for restoration in my relationships. That the only thing that would remain is your love, Jesus. Give me your heart of love towards the people I'm in relation with.
Now Jesus, speak to me and let me know what they need. What's the core? What's the root? What's going on? What do I need to pray against and what do I need to pray for? Jesus, help me to keep the story off of my face and out of my mouth, except when I talk to you. Help me to love well, that our relationships would be renewed. And Father, we know the power of a changed heart. We've seen it in ourselves and we see the impact it has on other people. Help us to do that in a growing community of people who become alive in you, Jesus. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.